0: welcome to the african women rock podcast hosted by myself today we are speaking to an amazing young entrepreneur from johannesburg south africa and she is the owner of a company called the sand hair that manufactures retails human hair wigs and extensions Beautiful, beautiful hair. We are at her factory. Um, in fact, she's got three, four locations now, and we are at one of her locations. That is how fast the sand has grown. But we won't be giving too much information about that just yet. We will introduce you guys to Me and let her tell us what the sand hair is, how she started it, and why she started it. Because it's such a what it seems like it's a you know overfluxed
1: market, so yeah Mbumi, tell us about it Hi, hi uh, and hi to your listeners uh, my name is Mbumi I am the owner and the founder of the same hair um, so yeah, so what do we do? we manufacture uh, all things that have to do with human hair uh, human hair products and we also sell them and uh, currently we have um uh, a few stores as well as we have presents at Edgar's uh, which also uh, sells our products and we are also uh, very much big online, we have an online store which is where you can also purchase our products. So basically we just do high quality human hair products Um, our client is uh, your affluent uh, black lady uh, that likes to look good, doesn't mind spending a few uh, thousands on a good quality wig unit that's going to last them for some time and we just pride ourselves in just providing excellent service and a product so yeah that's the short and long of it
0: Guys so why this impresses me I don't know if you guys remember a few years ago um, Chris Rock did the video analyzing the American hair industry and they found that the majority of the companies that are manufacturing and retailing human hair extensions in America are either South Korean or Chinese-owned. Very few are African-American-owned, and yet African-Americans are the main consumers. So in South Africa, it's the same thing. Very few people are actually manufacturing in the country, and Mbumi is. Mbumi, please tell us, first of all, what made you go into this very competitive industry that
1: is cornered by the Asians? Um... You know it. So I think they, I would really say it's my stubborn nature because when I started doing research into this industry, my intention was not really to do manufacturing at all. Uh, When I started looking, I was like, I need hair. I need good quality hair. And I'm tired of buying this hair that uh, I pay thousands. And then a few months from now, it's like, it looks like plastic, you know, like a dog. So I'm like, okay, let me let me start looking, you know, and then, so I think that was just the chipskate in me, wanting to bypass the, the middleman and just get it from the source. And while doing my research, I um, ended up being in India. And then um, I remember asking the supplier, I was seeing bags and bags and bags of hair, raw, dirty, smelly. And then he took me to another side where he had already all this hair processed, looking nice and everything. And I remember asking the different prices and then he was like, okay, so this is how much it is. Uh, and it gave me, obviously it was quite pricey to buy the one that is already processed, you know, the full wig unit as you know it. And then something just asked, uh, you know, just something just uh, tapped and I was like, how much is... The one that did he here? The, how much would you sell it for? Uh, and then that's how the business came about because I realized that okay, there's actually room here to get into this business and now the next question was how am I going to do all of this because obviously there's machines that are necessary to actually process this hay there was just so much and I think that's when now uh, I started doing my research I took like two years uh, to do the research um, understand what machinery is needed and exactly how much money it is that I needed Um, even just getting the information was not easy because as Domi just mentioned this um, industry is very much um, in the hands of the Asians. So, and they are very secretive as to what their processes are, what machines they use, uh, because they are that's just how they are. They they Whatever it is that they do, the Asians, they just keep it within their community. Uh, but I sold it on, and um, I got into the industry, and at that stage, I really didn't care. I was very much aware that the Asians are there, and they are doing well. Uh, I was very much aware that... Um, It's a very risky business to go into, but at the same time, I knew that what I'm offering the Asians can't do because I wear the product every day. I've been wearing the product since I was 14 or rather what I thought was the product, because then it was, 100. they used to call it 100% human hair, but it was really, um, it was the kind of hair that you can curl, you can iron, but it's not really human hair. Very close to human hair, but I started wearing those when I was 13. So I knew that I have the, the expertise that they don't have. They might have the money, they might have the resources, but I know the product and I know what the next lady wants to wear. And I think that has always been the differentiating factor, even now. My entire team, everyone knows this product. Even the guys that work for the company, they are wives, they wear the product. So they know exactly what it is that they are working with, which is what Chinese can never have. Um, I remember this other time when I went to a factory that makes wig caps. Um, I went in there like packed like hundreds of employees, Chinese employees, and they're making wig caps. And then I wanted to check if it fits. So I just immediately took off my wig and put on this wig cap. Listen, the factory, like it was on standstill. (laughs) Everyone was so shocked because it was the first time that they were seeing someone actually putting it on because they just make them and then they go. And then uh, they they took out their cameras because they did not even see that I was wearing a wig. So I just snatched it out because for me, that's normal. Snatched it out, wore the wig cap, put it on. I was like, okay, this is where we need to make adjustments. And they were just shocked, you know, because they make the product, but they don't wear it. And it's very rare that they even see people that actually wear the product. So for us, that is still our... Our strength, you know, uh, when it comes to how do we compete with the Chinese, we know what styles work. We are able to create new styles, and for them, their creativity is very limited because they really don't know. They don't have their finger on the pulse. Yeah. So yeah. So I think yeah, that's that's what separates us. It's yeah. that small thing, but it's a very big factor. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bibi, By the way, how old are you? <laughs> how old am I now? I'm twenty nine. I'm twenty nine guys,
0: she's 21, <laughs> 29, she does look like a baby. And Mpumi, I've known Mpumi
1: now for maybe three years. Three years yeah. um, how old is the sun here now? It is, uh, the sun here is three years as well. I opened the, I started the company when I was 26. Um, yeah, but I had been doing my research since the age of 24. I think I'm ready to retire now (laughs) That's how it feels A
0: proper millennial entrepreneur Mm. Right So let's just bring it back a bit To the San The San I mean obviously when I first heard the name It was the San You know I thought the original peoples of Africa The Khoisan, the Bushmen Mm.
1: Why the San here? So For me, so actually this name, I registered this name, I think I was 23, 22, when I registered this company with this name. And during that stage, I am going through, no, 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 it's actually when I was doing the research of this so i'm 24 at that stage so i'm going through this phase of really asking myself there was this big debate you know of who's african who's not african you know girls they are aspiring to be white because of this hair that they want to to wear bleaching of skin we were just in that era of um what does it mean to be African? And I remember uh, just assessing my own life and what I value, you know, and realizing that, okay, I love this. Hey, uh, I've been attached to this. I love the American culture. I follow the trends in America. I'm a YouTube person. But how does that make me less African? And then... um, even tying that to the business at the time that i was still researching and realizing that there was a lot of talk and debate at least now it's died down that conversation but at the time it was very strong i remember Human I was not hugging people that are wearing weaves. Um, in, in South Africa, it was very big. Like every talk show, they had to talk about that, pro, uh, that topic as who's African, who's not African. Are you African if you like weaves? Why do you want to have straight hair? Are you aspiring to be white? And all those things. And then for me, this name, I was like, okay, these are the original people. This is the original group of people. Uh, in fact, in other research, it even says that this is the original group of people even before white and black. So for me that is it doesn't get more african than that uh, like i will claim this name uh, we are part of the Khoisan people. We all originate from those people. We are proud of them. These people are survivors. These people know how to hunt. These people have lasted for the longest time. And you can't take that away from me. You can't tell me what it means to be African uh, because of your own standards. Because you are busy pushing me to be having natural hair or have dreadlocks. And that your own kids at home can't speak Venek but you are on my case about how I do not look African. So what is the true sense of being African? So I was just going through that and I was like, you know what, we are claiming this name. We are selling a product and we are wearing a product that is perceived to be uh, a product worn by people that do not like to be African, but that is not the case. We are gonna call our product the Senhe. If you, if you don't believe that the same people are now wearing waves well they are, and it's our hair, hey, and this is how we want to be identified, so it's a, it's a long story. Uh, I'm very passionate about it, uh, but for me, I was very intentional about it. That you know what we're bringing this thing home. Uh, you cannot tell us who we are and how we want to be perceived. You just need to take what it is and what we say we are. Yeah. Yeah. No,
0: I love that, and I mean, obviously, I love the whole debate around identity and what it means to be. Black or African So I mean Mm. I love that Um, I like that More than that Also what I like Is the fact that You are Taking ownership Of a certain aspect Of Mm. um, The market So The one gripe I've had For a long time As a female entrepreneur Myself Is that African consumers are consumers but not producers, and mm. you have taken it upon yourself to produce something that black women consume, mm. whether you know, regardless of the, um, the debate around that. So my next question around is around you as a young female entrepreneur mm. going into manufacturing in South Africa. Mm. Um, can you tell us? What were the challenges and difficulties around starting a manufacturing business? And um, why, why not now
1: outsource to the Chinese or get no. a Chinese partner? Um, you know it. And you know, that's a very difficult one because uh, I've always. So for me, my my. my, my, my whole background is I was raised by a a woman who's always been an entrepreneur I think the last time my mom had an eight to five I was probably four years old and then after that she quit and she went into business and um not the easiest route. I remember many times growing up where I was wishing, why couldn't you just be a nurse? Because that that way would be guaranteed a salary every month. But that was not the case. She was an entrepreneur at heart, and she just couldn't stand being employed. Um, not the easiest, because uh, she would open a business, it would fail, she would open another one. Like, there's no business that she has not tried in South Africa. So, um, so for me, I would say as a black person... And as a young young person, it was not really a good example of how a business should be because it was just not sustainable and we had a lot of hardships in the way. Hence, I said that uh, at times I would actually wish that she had a job as a teacher or as a nurse or something like that because those guys seemed to be having like good lives, you know. But being in employment, because I was employed for a good 10 years, in employment and um, seeing the impact that even I, no matter how qualified I, I could be, no matter how est- uh, well-established I could be, I realized that I can't make real change. You know, I can't. When I go back to the Eastern Cape and a cousin of mine is like, here's my CV, there's nothing I can do about it, but just to tell her, no, just send it through to, you know, to this bank's HR department try they have internships now and whatever not i realized that there's no real change that i can do and i have nothing against someone who is working you know that is your path that you are taking but for me i was at that stage i think that's when i started deciding that you know what? I don't want to get to a situation where I'm just that wealthy auntie that comes to the Eastern Cape and then I leave them with a few hundred grand notes and then I go back and then I go back to my life. I was like, I need to make serious change and how do I do that? And that's how I decided that okay, I need to start this business. Uh, this is the only way that I can really make real change. The one that I actually, and I was very passionate about that. I think I made up my mind that this is what I want to do. I want to create employment. It's you not good enough. I, and I, yes, yeah. I wanted to manufacture. I wanted to create employment and the next thing was like okay so if i just outsource this idea that i have to someone else how much impact do i have how many opportunities can i create if i am lending like if i'm taking like 50 percent of the business outside of the country um how much how much impact am i actually going to have and i realized that you know it uh, and I think they also my studies helped because I started uh, cost management accounting, which is all about the factory setup, understanding how costs are divided, you know, from labor to that, shared cost and and everything. So for me, it started being interesting to actually establish, okay, so all you need is just it's not it's not that easy because one of the challenges was that you are trying to get into this industry uh, that is just fickle in South Africa anyways let alone the industry that you are trying to tap into, which is a hand industry. And this thing has never been done in the country. So there's absolutely no reference on the internet as to where you need to go. There's like no profile, there's no business plan, there's nothing. You literally need to carve your own way and decide that this is how I'm gonna do it. And hopefully you are on the right track. So it was not the easiest, but for me, I was very intentional about it that I'm gonna do it. If they can do it that side, then we can do it. No matter how small it is, we'll just grow into it. Uh, We will do it. And I trusted that, okay, If we get our marketing right, because the only thing that we need is just the demand for the product. So if we get that right, we should be able to sustain this as well. It's not going to be easy, uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll soldier on. So for me, I think that drive of wanting to create employment and not just create minimal employment, I wanted to create the maximum employment that we can create with this business. And manufacturing had to be the only way. Because, yeah. yeah.
0: And now, three years down the line, you are employing how many people? Fifty. Fifty people, guys. 50, like, yeah. And amazing. just two years ago, that's we huge. were
1: twelve. Yeah, yeah, just tears of COVID twelve.
0: Th- and the majority of the people are low-skilled
1: people, right? Yeah, very low-skilled uh, people. And number of them, this is their first employment. Um, like I'm talking people from the age of 21 uh, up until 40, you know. Uh, but a majority of our employees are between 21 and 35. Uh, so it's youth. Some of them have never worked before. Uh, this is their first employment. And for me, I get a kick every time someone says, listen, for me I'm going back to school now thank you for the opportunity I've registered for this course I'm going to do it while I'm working for me wow like I just do flips you know like my heart is just doing flips whenever I hear such stories uh, of our people you know just advancing in life and doing better for themselves (laughs) and just them saying listen I'm I'm working here but I'm so inspired I'm so inspired I think this is what I want to do in the future I also want to open my business thank you for actually opening my eyes for me I think that is the biggest benefit. That is the biggest thank you ever.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you are three years old and you now have... um what a two or no three pronged business so mm. although mbumi mentioned earlier that she also supplies um, Edgars for those of you who may not know Edgars is one of the leading um department store chains in South Africa they have more what they've got 300 stores in yeah, South Africa okay, alone yeah, yeah. so mbumi is the first South African owned hair brand to supply Edgars mm. Mbumi, what, in your opinion, what difference has it made for you to be able to supply a huge corporate,
1: like, I Um, you know what, this product, um, this product, and I'm very passionate about this part, you know, of <laughs> this topic, This product is a product that has always been important to the black female, you know. Um, Even though the the wealth was still sitting with the Asians, but it's a product that was acknowledged by us because it is worn by us. And for the longest time, this product has been sold in the boots of cars uh, in Hilbro somewhere. When you want good hair, we all knew that we need to go to Hilbro somewhere, to the dingiest places to get good hair. Why was that when we are paying so much for this product? Why can't I walk into a Ascent and, and find this product there? And I'll tell you now this, and I'm not trying to be political or anything like that, but my, my it's always been my aim to make this product acceptable in all walks of life. Even people that don't wear this product, they need to acknowledge it, that it's there. They need to make space for it. In their glossy malls, in their glossy shops, they need to make space for this product because it's as important as the shoes that they sell. It's as important as the underwear, as the the clothing. So why not be in Edgars? Because Edgars, their target market is this black female. Uh, That is also my target market. Why is my product not there and why are all the other retail shops not having this product why is it so taboo to have this product and the reason i'm talking like this is because it was such a struggle because even getting into edgar's you will try to find retail space and the minute you mention what it is that you are bringing in already this agent this uh, broker for the mall uh the you know that is uh, the ones that are responsible for leasing the picture that they have in their head is not a good one. They're thinking, oh, this store is not going to look nice. It doesn't fall, you know, in, in the image of this particular mall. Uh It's going to look dingy. There's probably going to... Yeah, so it didn't have a good look. So I was very excited when Edgar was like, listen, bring in this product. I like, okay... Uh, But at that time, I was already going through the phase. I was not really surprised. I was actually just happy that they've seen the light because I knew that it's not a dingy product. If you go into our stores, it's very classy. It's very upmarket. It can be done in the right way, where it can fit into the most high caliber stores uh, that you can imagine. So for me, I was like, okay, it's about time. It's about time you recognize this product and actually understand how important it is to the black female, and it needs to be taken seriously. Or else this product was in danger of being like the taxi industry, for example. It's an industry that is important to black people, and that's why it's still so mismanaged. Uh, People are still dying poor after having 15 taxes. It's still not managed because it's not important to a certain group of people in our country. It's only for black people, and that's why it's still there. Does it not make money? It does make money. It's a billion-dollar industry, but it will remain always being in the dingy corners of South Africa, being there in the taxi ranks, you're scared to go there. And for me, I just wanted to change that entire look. Yeah. You need to see it when you're walking in the Diamond Walk and You need to see the shop. You need to see this product. Mm. We are proud of it. It's part of who we are. And if you're saying that your market is a black female, guess what? You need this product there. Yeah. So yeah. So for me, it's, it's about time. Yeah. Yeah, it's about time. It's yeah. really yeah. about time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, South Africa's retail and corporate industry is so notorious for keeping out black suppliers mm. and um, yet we're the main uh, customer. The target market, know. yeah. Um, so you also have another, so you, ha- you supply Edgar's, which is a retail chain which ensures that your product reaches as many people as possible so they, you know, yeah. from Mpumalanga right down to Cape Town yeah. you know the footprint is wide but you also now have your own stores and you're planning to own, open your own stores yeah. um, usually brands will either have you know one strategy at first yeah. um, but you're sort of like following a, a sort of high fashion where you yeah. you know like a Marc Jacobs for instance will have their mm. stores but they yeah. supply at the retail chain why did you decide on that model
1: um this 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 um product that we're offering it's still so the trends are always set by America, right? Mm-hmm. And for you to and I and, uh, and South Africans now are in the space of they, they are on YouTube every day and before it never used to be the case. They follow um, American um, pages, you know, social social people, the Kim Kardashians, everything. I remember when we started our summer range, it was inspired by you, the Kardashians. They, they, they were wearing pink hair, gray hair, everything, and both white, white ladies and black ladies were like, we also want this. We want in, you know. Why can't I rock silver hair, you know? Why must I always be wearing black, uh, brown hair? So for us, it, it, it was a matter of... Um, <sighs> how do I put it? It was really a matter of... Um, Just deciding that... um, Sort of like being able to pivot and to keep up with trends quicker. Yeah, Yeah. so, you know, it's like a Nike. When you go to Edgars, you're just going to get the shoes there. Maybe there's going to be a consultant that's going to help you. Hmm. But when you walk into a Nike store the service is completely different. Um, they offer a wider range. You'll find a wider range of shoes. They, they have these machines that actually check your fit and check what is the right sneaker for you. Uh, you know, all those things. And our service as well. It's very, it's a personal service. As much as we are trying to make it very commercial and you can just get it off the shelf but it's still a very commercial it's a very still it's still a very personal service that you that goes with the product yeah. it's not good enough to just buy the week and go because the hairstylist that has always been doing your hair for years might not know how to actually install this weave because it's relatively a new industry, and my point earlier is to the international trends or the American trends that we follow, because we follow those uh, those pages. We are always aspiring to look like that and to have those looks. So if I, uh, I don't know why the I know. black American. There's nothing worse
0: than going. <laughs> I think every black woman can identify with the yeah. idea that you walk into a salon, you want to have a certain hairstyle, and you don't want be achieved. to that. Yeah, Jeez, It can so be achieved. And sometimes they
1: don't even wow. tell you that you can't do it. Yeah. They just soldier on, and then you are looking yeah. very different. It's yeah. not how you imagined it. So for us, it was a matter of, like, I mean, it's discussions that we are even having right now with Edgas as to what more can they do to make this more personalized. It can't, because it's a commercial space. It's really off the shelf at Edgas. That's why we we my aspiration is to open as many branches as we can in all the big metros so that even if you do that, buy that product at Edgars, you still have us as the back support uh, for maintaining that product, for installing it. If it's slightly big, come through to us, let's adjust it because those are services that cannot be done by Edgars in store. So it's very important for us to still be on the ground be visible as a brand independently, even though our product is being sold through retail, um, because that support is just so important. It makes the difference actually between Buying their hair from us or buying it from the next person. Yeah. That skill that our people come with, uh, the training that they have, their expertise is not something that you just get in every salon.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, as I said, we pay so much attention to the American trends where they are. We are fully much aware on that, and we train very fast, and we make sure that we actually deliver those looks. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So really, Edgars can only be there to assist us with footprint and you know getting to the market fast. but we also need to be there to support those people that actually do buy the service, yeah, that actually do buy the product, yeah,
0: yeah. I love love your salon. It's so classy, it's so elegant. In mm. fact, I feel like I must first go and get my high heels on before <laughs> going in there. I can't wait to share pictures of your salon um, yeah. and your, your 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 retail space um, on the website. Um, so my you know starting to wrap up. The the next question is around. Um, there are a lot of women wanting to go into businesses like um, that uh, that seem quite uh, highly saturated. Mm. And, you know, we were speaking earlier about other brands, hair brands that had existed before mm. your mm. brand. And your brand, if we were just to use um, Instagram alone, I think this... You know, a year ago, your Instagram
1: was what Understood. almost did. <laughs> yeah, it was what was it less than ten thousand? Not even less than five thousand.
0: Like a year yeah. ago, yeah. today, yeah. on the well, we actually sitting today on election day in South Africa, which is the eighth of eighth of um May, May twenty nineteen yeah. she had less than five thousand followers. Yeah. The sand hair is now sitting at sixty two thousand followers and growing yeah. every day. Which is what not easy. Anyone who's on Instagram knows it's not, it's easy, not to easy to get those followers. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean I know no. as one well, a brand that's uh, yeah uh, it's it's growing very very slowly on Instagram mm. So, what is it that you have done differently? And what advice would you give to women out there who are trying to establish brands in saturated markets? What have mm. you done differently? What do you think has worked for the sun? Um, and what do you think will work for it mm. to continue in longevity?
1: You know you what? Know, um, that, be it's like uh, the most uh, difficult question to answer because it's like a question where you're asking what makes a business a success (laughs) and what makes others fail and there's really no um, recipe or, or one straight answer for that so I think for me the biggest thing that helped me was number one my years that I spent in corporate, you know, um, being, I, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but I worked for a bank for for, for, for a good nine years, and their service was very important. It's it's It was like just, I started as a teller there when I was 18, and... So, service is, runs deep in my veins, right? So, for me, number one, that was the first thing integrity, knowing that at whatever cost, you always need to provide a good service. Don't cut, uh, don't take shortcuts when it comes to quality. You can try and nip and whatever tuck there, but when it comes to the actual quality that someone is paying for, you can't compromise on that. Uh, so, I was very strict about that as well. That rather I increase prices and I make people know that, listen, the raw price. Have changed, the raw material prices have changed, and therefore we need to do this instead of trying to keep the same pricing and lower your quality. So I was very intentional about that. Um, and also, being a millennial as well helps because you, you absorb this social media, you follow, and you are able to see how others are doing. And for me, I knew very early in the game that I can't survive on word of mouth alone. Uh, We need to put our work out there and put it in a way that someone pays attention. For me, I always tell, like, we would always have this conversation with my team. I remember at that stage we were still struggling with followers and really getting this social media thing right. But I remember we would be talking with my team and we were like, you know what? The way because at that stage we were only surviving on word of mouth like people that come in and then they tell others about it and then they come through and then we were like that is how good our product is and that is how good our service is and i remember we used to say if only people could see what we do we would be so packed and then we eventually got to that level, or we are trying to get to that level, where we have maximum exposure and everyone knows about us and what we do. But we were so confident at that stage that our product is good, our service is good. If only people knew about us. So, how I do have you do <laughs> I, I that?
0: Every business person can identify with that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. how, how do we so get people to know about us? How yes. do we get people
1: yeah. to know about us? So uh even the strategy of working with brand ambassadors i was very clear as to who i want to work with what do i identify with with this person how do how do we align with them as a business right yeah. and then and i think that's when our partnership with the dj recently came about and it was it was just the perfect fit you know months later we, we were just speaking casually and she was like you know what Uh, coming across you guys was actually godsend because at that stage I was going through a stage as well where I just wanted to do a whole brand change. I wanted a hair company. I knew that this is what I want. And on our side as well, we were looking for someone who's just going to be very dedicated to how they look. Not someone who we're going to give hair to and then they just post once in a while when they feel like dressing up. So our plans, they just collided so beautifully. Here we are, we want exposure and here we are, we are meeting with someone who has that following. And she's like, listen, I want to look good every day. I start, I want now to start being a fashionista in South Africa. I want people to identify with me in that light. And therefore I shall post every day. So imagine how brilliant is that? And then it all just came well together uh, in that sense. And, and I'm very. I'm always very grateful for that relationship because it just fell into place. Not all relationship with ambassadors work. Not all relationships with ambassadors work. And uh, they need, you know, because you're dealing with a person in here and this person might not share your vision yeah they right. might want the product yeah. that you are providing mm. but they don't really share your vision mm. they don't understand the importance mm. but when you come across someone who sings the same tune as you, someone who's passionate about employment and creating employment as well, someone who's an entrepreneur herself. Mm -hmm. So there's just this code of ethics that is just there. Mm -hmm. Uh, It helps. So for us, I would say that is the biggest uh, element to our growth, the ambassador connections that we've made. um, It really helped. But for any other business, I would say, master what you are good at, know yourself, and where you are lacking, get someone who's strong in that department to assist you. Yeah. Because it really needs to be in your blood. You really, it mustn't feel like a chore. For me, I enjoy shooting, you know, our products. I enjoy the whole process. Yeah. I enjoy, and I'm very finicky about what we post on our page. It's personal to me because I aspire to the international play pages and I know how I want our page to look. Mm. I don't want to break the sequence of how we're doing things. And um, so if you're not a person that's good in that, that get someone who's going to assist you with that because unfortunately that's the direction that all businesses are going. You really need to have a social media presence for you to do well in the next five years for you to still be in business. Unfortunately, that's where we are going. Uh, If you're not good on the admin side, because that's also very important in in the business, get someone who's going to assist you in that, you know, just, yeah. So I would say the biggest thing is knowing yourself. If you're an entrepreneur, know yourself, know your strengths and where you have weaknesses, make sure that you cover that area by either improving or getting someone else to assist you with that yeah. so yeah there's really no recipe because if there was I don't think there would be any businesses that are failing yeah. um, it, it, it really oh, it's historic it's in our blood it's in how we treat money, our relationship with money, especially as black people because, yeah. I mean, most of us who grew up with no money, so the minute you start making money, you really just want to blow up and show people that you've arrived. Yeah. So, as a people, even our relationship is just not good with money, so you really need to have those conversations with yourself and be honest with yourself. Yeah. What do I really do with the money that my business makes?
0: Yeah, so like, just to bring, to touch on a, f- a few points that you've made that I want to expand on. So, you studied cost accounting yeah. and and on the other hand, you're really passionate about marketing, yeah, but you know the money side of your business, yeah. You think is that a very big help in getting a business, guys? Like, <laughs> the business has grown organically, by the way, yeah, and but very, very quickly. Mm. Um, and I think it's due to the discipline of this entrepreneur, yeah. Do you think
1: that's a, um, yeah, I would say for me. My discipline when it comes to to, to money number one uh, for me money is just i don 't know how I can put it I think being a, <laughs> being a teller at eighteen and counting five hundred thousand that is not yours belongs to someone else kind of like makes money just one of those things you you don 't go gugu gaga over it it 's something that we need to make things happen. It does not make you who you are or anything so my my relationship with money number one is very yeah it's very technical we need it for what we need it for it's the lifeblood of the business it's the lifeblood of the business yeah so you can't mismanage that numbers it helps that i know numbers Mm. and i know how the numbers need to look for the business to be in place in six months and not struggling um my studies uh really helped me um to actually plan ahead even if i don't actually sit down and say now i'm making a six month plan but i'll be walking into the factory and i realize that okay in the near future that needs to be fixed that needs to be fixed i'm always thinking ahead without even being intentional about that um Numbers, I don't really enjoy them. That's why I stopped being an accountant. (laughs) I don't really enjoy them. I get someone else to do them, but it helps that I know them. Yes, it helps that I know. Uh, Marketing, I really love. I really love, uh, you know, creating strategies as to how, you know, to make our business more relevant to people mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm-hmm. strategies mm-hmm. that I enjoy right. but knowing numbers is definitely a plus yeah. so I would say if you're an entrepreneur you really need to be interested in that yeah you really need to be interested on that side of the business
0: okay final two questions so <laughs> we, we, you touched a bit on the fact that you focus a lot on Quality. so you spend mm. a lot of time going to China mm. you actually learned how to make wigs and weaves yourself in mm. China before yeah. coming to teach people here Yeah, and you go every few months to China yeah. to look out for, yeah. for the new trends yeah. so tell us the process I think we mentioned Off air That you've yeah. changed Suppliers a few times mm. Tell us the process Why does it matter And how Did you develop How did you come to know mm. What quality is And you
1: know uh So the the, the the thing is Whether you like it or not the Chinese, they are, they are the pioneers when it comes to this, and not just here, but just manufacturing. In, in you know, in totality, those guys they know what they are doing. They they have processes that have been there that work. Mm. So if you are planning to go into their space, you need to know what you're doing. So I spent like a month in China uh, where I was being trained on how to use the machines because that's also where I was buying my machines. Sorry. <laughs> Were you pregnant at the time as well or did you have a baby, like a small baby? Uh, I had a small baby. My baby was three months old. Wow. It was <laughs> it was the craziest wow. time ever. It was very emotional. I remember a few times I had to stop myself from changing flights and be like, listen, I'm bouncing. Thank you. It was very... and I mean, that, was, that is my first child and and I was a new mother, but you know what? I just had to, because I knew that we need to start doing this as soon as possible, or else we are just like any other company in South Africa, and that is... I didn't want that, Mm -hmm. because there's a reason why I I started the Senhe. Uh, So... Being there and uh, seeing how they work really helped me fine-tune our own processes. It was important for me to be there. So their involvement comes in the sense that there's still things that they do better than us. There's things that uh, they've mastered in the sense that something, for example, like doing a frontal, that would take us like a good week actually do just one so tell me how would we price that so there's certain things that you still need to have them do on their side but you very you need to be very particular and be very on point about the quality so you source your own raw material and then they process that those particles for you and then they bring it into the country so what informs you, you said you've changed supplies a few times yeah what informs you to change so the minute i see that the supplier that are, and luckily um I feel that when compared to other people and how often they change suppliers, I've, I've actually had a good run. Um, how many times have you changed? No, just twice. Okay. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad. <laughs> just twice, which is a very good record in this mm. industry. because. Uh, so for me, whenever I feel that quality is being uh, uh, you know, compromised or I'm dealing with someone who's not really honest, uh, you bring them this raw material, they mix it with other stuff because they want to get bigger quantities, then we are stepping on each other's toes. Tw- then and for me uh, I don't even give you notice I cut you off right there and then and then move on to the next because there are you know honest people out there that have the same ethics as you you know and everything so for me that is the number one thing when I'm dealing with a dishonest supplier or whatever because it affects me and it because I wear the product Mm -hmm. I don't launch something that I have not worn Mm -hmm. Uh, in fact on most of our pictures on social media I'm actually the one that's actually modeling there I wear the product my sisters wear the product Right, my sisters are in the company, they'll tell me, listen, what you are bringing in now is not it. Go there and check what's going on. So I'll just walk up to the factory and I make a surprise visit. Okay, so we gave you this raw material to do this frontals. What's the setup? Can we see them now? And uh, so for me, that's why I need to go there so um, often. But I also do a lot of things there, like our week caps are done there because they need to be specially made. The material that I use on our wigs, it needs to fit most heads, you know, and uh, not Asian heads. It needs to fit South African yeah. you know yeah, <laughs> women's yeah, we heads. And we, <laughs> <care. laughs> with, with yeah, we also have, we also also have our own hairs, natural hair that, that yeah. we plait below. So um, you can't just use the method that everyone else is using. Yeah. As I said, the Asians do what they think they know and you know they, they don't really know the market like we do. So I have my wig caps done there so I go a lot uh, our packaging is done there unfortunately I would love to do it locally but it's still done there because it's it's much cheaper mm-hmm. you know um, so there's so many things that are done there for us um, a lot of our branding is done there the wig caps the frontals we have them done there as well as the closures and then this side we just do the construction of the bundles and the wigs mm-hmm. so and that is really to just reduce our, co- our, our, our costs and therefore reduce our selling price because if we did those services Locally, or it yeah, it would definitely escalate prices.
0: Bumi, do you think the South African consumer that buys your hair, do you think they care? Do they even know that you manufacture it yourself? Do you think that they care? Do we care? <laughs> do we care?
1: You know, um, I think for us, you know. Um, we are getting to that stage and and i'm happy because you know americans have been there americans are, are in a phase where it's important for them to use Black suppliers support black businesses and you'll hear an American saying that my lawyer is black, my daughter is black, this is black, everything is black because that's how I want to do it. You will see YouTubers doing videos and they will be saying, On this video I'm purely using makeup products that have been created by black companies. They are doing that, they're at that stage where they are just so proud about what it is that they... who they are, what they can do, and the products that are actually done locally in America by other black, you know, uh, black people. Here in South Africa as well, not necessarily that black-conscious thing, but we are also getting to a stage where we are much more aware of products that are done locally, products that are done by black suppliers. Um, And we are getting to that stage of actually believing and accepting that, you know what, our products are as good as the next product that you find in the market there. Uh, and, And that helps. Is it really a good selling point? Not all the Not time. Yet. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, your service and your quality still needs to speak for itself. We still get a lot of situations where someone will sell our product in um, at Edgar's and they immediately assume that it's an, uh, international, it's an international product. Brand. Yes, it's an international no, product. No, that's an
0: indictment on you. Because <laughs> that if a yeah. person doesn't know you, yeah. they don't know that this... Brand, beautiful brand is owned by a black female yeah. and is manufactured as. So. So like, I must just check. I don't know if your <laughs> packaging
1: even says. It doesn't. It oh. doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's something that I need to really tap into. Yeah. I need to think about. But for me, um, my 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 thing is always if It's good, you'll buy it. Yeah, whether there's a, a locally made sign or not, if yeah. you need it, you'll buy it. If yeah. the service is good, you'll take it. Uh, but I think it's something that we really need to go into, really, you know, preach the story of who the sun is, what makes the sun. Because I think to some people, that really is important, mm-hmm. they really need to feel that way. And you've been teaching me that a lot. <laughs> okay, my last you've question. Been teaching that what yeah. is the
0: big dream Bumelelo, no, Bumelelo has
1: mm. for the sun? Um wow. Well, as I said I'm not really big on planning. Like I have plans but I yeah, I don't shut them down. So definitely expand more into South Africa, have more of our own brand stores. Um with not just having brand stores and just blowing them up quickly because we can, but having brand stores that have people that are properly skilled. So that whether you go to uh, at the same Hay in Island and you get the same service that you would get in our main branch. And that is the hardest thing I, I would say, uh, getting the skilled people because it's a, it's a new thing. and. Um, It's not like just a salon where everyone has salon experience. It's a new thing. We are teaching something that is new. So for me, that is the biggest challenge, but we are working on that. So obviously getting the brand stores throughout South Africa, a number of them in all the metros and uh, expanding more into Edgar's, you know, fine tuning that relationship, dealing with whatever challenges that we have on the way, making sure that we have skilled people even at Edgar's to give proper advice to people when they are coming in that is important, launching nationwide, because currently we're in five provinces. Launching launching nationwide, SADC, you know, because they have presence even in Southern Africa, Africa yes. So we want to be in that space. That is part of the growth. The other part is just having a full-on working online store and we have done so well even on our online store you're
0: getting orders from america
1: yeah we're getting orders from america it's crazy and you would think that those guys are the hub of hair and yet they are buying from us so i just went and you know south africans are very new to this whole online thing Mm -hmm. online store thing so for people someone who's sitting in pe to trust that what i'm ordering right now Online, I'm spending five thousand rands. Is what I want, and the quality is great. That is a big milestone for any business, and especially in our industry, because people want to touch and feel. But um, so you definitely want to be strong in that, because it's it's really it gives you presence even in places where you are not there as yet and people can get to uh, experience your product even if you are not there as yet so Mm. definitely expanding on that online Uh, what about
0: franchising into Africa even if
1: we've had a lot of requests yeah we've had yeah we get requests every day about that I still want to rather do wholesale Mm -hmm. and then you just continue if you are dumbie and then you say that you want to sell the same hair the same hair products um Mm -hmm. just buy the products but do your own pushing and your own marketing in your own space i feel like we still have a long way to go before we can just franchise i mean we are still new we just need to fine-tune a lot of things Mm -hmm. and for me the skill thing is very important because I don't want you selling my hair, but your staff members don't even know how to install. Because they're still gonna, mm, you know, still um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm very finicky about that, and that's always the reason that I give to all the people that send us emails wanting to, to you know to buy a franchise. And it's flattering, you know. And uh, I never thought we could get to that stage, but for now, I think I just want to focus more on wholesaling as well, and just yeah, pushing to those hair salons that want our product, those independent uh, hair. Tailors, hair sellers, yeah. So that's 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 the direction in the near future. It's not very clear, <laughs> no, <it's> very clear <laughs> but in me. my head, it's, yeah, clear. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very clear to me.
0: I'm so excited about this, Like, I Thank mean, you. hair is something we we all get born into, we mm. grow up into. So it makes sense for me to see a black female in manufacturing,
1: yeah. in
0: all aspects of the hair yeah. industry. So I'm very excited. Thank you so much for sitting down with us, and we will have. Visuals and a little video for you guys on the AfricanWomenRock.com website. Thank you for joining us.
1: Wow.